Hey everybody, Jake here. Uh, I was recording this podcast uh, from my car and then turned it off. Uh, you don't need to know any of the, the details, but the, 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 the upshot is that my audio sucks again because I'm an idiot. Uh, so, sorry. That's unprofessional and I apologize. Oh, and it only sucks for some of the segments, but like at the end and with Disha, it's fine. It's good. But in the beginning, it's it's not. All right, let's, let's do the show now. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network perpetually added to the 40-man roster. We're always safe, Jordan. We're always protected. I'm Jake Mance. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, hello. It feels good. The The horrors of the Rule 5 draft uh, will not be impacting us this winter. Uh, we have been protected. I feel so blessed and thankful to be included on the Ringers 40-man roster. It, it really means a lot. Uh, Jake Mintz, we have a shockingly good podcast for you folks today. And I say shockingly because, as you will see, the theme of this show is that it is, I think, officially the most boring week in baseball. The mm. week before Thanksgiving... I know Thanksgiving is obviously going to be different this year, but it is still a holiday. It is still a time when most GMs, at least not Jerry Depoto, put their phone on silent and say, look, I'm just going to not make some transactions for a while. This is not the time for baseball news, but we still have a baseball podcast, and that means we're going to talk to you about some baseball things. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, Jordan, there, uh, there, there are a couple newsy tidbits that we are going to get to in this pod. We've got Robinson Cano getting big popped, 162 games for the stanza troll. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Disha Totsar of the New York Daily News about that a little bit later, as well as Steve Cohen's uh, nutty tweets. Uh, but Jordan, the, the, the most recent big news uh, in baseball is that Theo Epstein, he's out. He's gone. Cubs GM, no longer. He is. He is. Now, this is news that uh, I think if you weren't really paying that close attention to the Cubs, over the last year, this might be shocking news, but I think anybody that has followed the trajectory of Theo Epstein and has realized that he said himself he would never spend more than ten years in one place, and at the end of his at end of the season, he was he did not guarantee he would come back. Um, this actually isn't that shocking. The Cubs are obviously at a pretty uh, difficult spot in their uh, franchise right now as they try to get back to their 2016 glory with the same players that they have as their 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 core four as they say Schwarber, Rizzo, Baez and Brian are all free agents after next year but for Theo man I mean he's going to be a Hall of Famer he brought the Red Sox back broke that curse brought the Cubs back broke that curse and I mean the dude has there's really nothing more for him to do but I'm excited to see what he does next yeah I actually think it's a pretty simple one it's like He's one of the few executives in baseball who, like, I don't know if people follow soccer, but, like, Pep Guardiola, who's the Man City manager, just kind of bounces from, like, top team in the world to top team in the world and just, like, 
gets to do whatever the fuck he wants when he wants to do it and like has earned that right over time within that world. And like Theo is kind of like the baseball executive version of that. Where like if Theo doesn't want to be there for the last year of his contract, like are Cubs fans gonna get mad at him for bailing? No, like the they're not because he brought a World Series to the north side of Chicago. Like he just kind of gets to go. And like that's fine. I um he has said like uh, he's not very good at maintaining a good team. He's good at building a good team. Um, and I, I guess I commend the honesty there. Like very rarely do you hear executives be like, yo, I am ass at this. Like, right. No. And at the same time, at the same time, it's not like the Cubs have been bad the last five years. Like you could say they've disappointed considering when they won that world series in 16, I mean, we were talking about this in 15, right? We saw what they were building. We'd be like, oh my God, this is a dynasty, not dynasty, just a team that's dynasty. finally going to break the curse. But like, this is a team that should be contending for world series every year. And they just. It was just something off every year. I mean, this year the offense was terrible. Obviously, this year was was weird for a lot of teams, but um, it's hard to say that they were a disappointment. It's not like they've been a bad team, but clearly he thrives when he's building something from the ground up. And that really begs the question. I mean, the, the two things I'm thinking about here is, okay, what does Theo do next? And what happens with the Cubs next? Jed Hoyer, who's been there for pretty much the whole time, is going to be leading the Cubs going forward. But I guess for Theo, like... People have made the jokes like, oh, he should go do the Knicks. So he should go work for Biden. <laughs> he should go become the commissioner. He should go do the Browns. He should go overseas. Like, Bro, what, what do you want to like see Theo do? Well, that's that's the first thing, right? I mean, of all the people, uh, and he already had a quote, like, I'm looking forward to uh, spending 2021 not, you know, clocking in every day. Um, and honestly, I believe him. I mean, he seems like the Wait, kind Theo of Theo was clocking in. Hold on, Theo using work. Yeah, day? they have a punch clock. They have a punch clock. Oh, a, pu- a physical punch clock. He's not like yeah. inputting his hours on his laptop and work day. Bobby, forgive no, 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 me. No. I'm- it's a punch <laughs> clock. He's working at a like a 1985 uh, auto plant. Yeah, yeah. Bobby, forgive me. I'm I'm like 90 percent sure that that those were the words he was using, which is very <laughs> hilarious. Uh, to your point, every day, um, man. Yeah, exactly. Bringing but, in my lunchbox and trading away prospects. But look, I you know I buy him. You know, wants to spend more time with his family, sure. But he's gonna he's gonna come back and do another job. I don't think he's gonna get this Phillies or Mets job. That is not believable, and I don't think he's gonna do that. But like, of course, I would love to see Theo go bring another major league team to success. Like, of course, like that would be awesome. He doesn't have to, but like it would be it would be pretty fun. Is there is there is there a base? Is, is there another MLB team? That you think because you could speculate all the other crazy non-baseball things he could do, but in terms of baseball, what do you, Jake Mintz, want to see Theo do next? I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it's necessarily like leading a baseball team. Like he said that he wants to help tackle some of the what he said existential issues surrounding baseball, right? And mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily think that's like pace of play or you know, lowering the strikeout rate. Like a lot of that is, you know, increasing access to baseball for kids who don't have access to baseball and like finding ways to, you know, make the game more popular. I don't, I don't think that there is a job out there enough. That's interesting enough for him to take it. That like would supersede him doing like a health of baseball job. I don't know what that job is because again, like, that's a very nebulous thing, but like, I would prefer if Theo like put his brain power to use to like make the sport better and not like help the Reds win. 
that's, that makes that's super fair. And and if right and and to think about what that job is, if it's not commissioner, I have no idea. But no I, idea. Agree, I agree with you that that would be more fun. If you are looks listen, there's never gonna there's nothing compared to the Cubs and the Red Sox. Like he can't out he, he's never that's gonna it. outdo that. I will say though, if you're looking for a team that would be that would fit that category, it's either Texas, who's never won a World Series. The Mariners, obviously, and their postseason drought. Although I want to see Jerry see it out, obviously, as a Mariners fan. Or there's one other team Cleveland. we were talking about. Cleveland. Or Cleveland, right? Cleveland would be the other one. But dude, um, those are yeah. all steps down. And Theo, for sure, come on the podcast. Sure. Theo, come on Baseball Barbecue mm-hmm. to talk about 2021. What video games are you going to get really into? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely. Are you going to get into knitting? Let's At the hang. very least, I'm sure Theo already has a PS5. Like, there's no way he was waiting. Like, he he has it all locked up. So, um, so again, maybe Theo, maybe Theo's going to get really into Jewish scripture. <laughs> very, very, very possible. He'll be he'll be studying uh, studying deep into the night. I, I would not Theo, put it past come Mr. over Epstein. come over to my house for Shabbat once we got a vaccine. All right, Jordan. Okay. So that's like the only news that we had really the last week, and we're kind of in this lull. Uh, the most, we believe it's the most boring part of the baseball calendar. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk a little, lot more about that later. We're going to have a little draft of boring things in the world of baseball generally, but like, do you like this week and a half, two week stretch of nothing where like, you don't, we don't have to think about MLB transactions all the time. And like, we can just kind of, you know, hang with people we like and like yeah. watch movies yeah so so it, it, it's interesting because this year especially um we did have a crazy amount of news and this happens sometimes you know with all the manager firings we've had so many new managers we usually get the news of the new ma- new managers new gms in the first two three weeks and we got that right we got the hinge cora we got Larusa craziness we got the gm stuff you know of course kim ang we got perry manasi and like that also is happening but but as we headed to thanksgiving like you say it really 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 slows down now right now it is magnified by the fact that because we are in this insane 2020 year where everything is shifted in all sports, NBA free agency is happening right now. And this is normally what is happening in the summer when we have baseball and we're just watching baseball and we know people are tweeting about Woj, but like we don't have to care because we're watching baseball. But right now we are having the free agencies literally side by side because of everything being screwed up. And that has really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really kind of magnified how different it is. But to your point, you you say some some MLB fans were like, oh, I wish it was like NBA free agency where as soon as it opens, 50 players sign at the same time. But you think that that's actually not necessarily a good thing or, or not necessarily what you would want for baseball. And I, I mostly agree with you. Yeah, no, I... Okay, so to me, NBA free agency is like shotgunning a four loco and MLB free agency is like drinking warm milk through a straw. And like, I think that there's just like a very reasonable, like maybe not middle ground, like probably closer to the four loco. Um, but like, there's something in between. And I think it's the soccer model of like English soccer, where like you have a deadline day. And like, there are a lot of reasons why maybe that couldn't work in practice in baseball. But like, I like the flurry of things happening as the clock clicks down, right? I like that aspect of the trade deadline. I think the MLB trade deadline is really fun. And so, the idea of that, you know, the, the clock is ticking down to the moment and then we're looking at people's flights. Where are they flying? Is that guy in this hotel? Who's talking with who? Like, I want a lot of that. And MLB free agency now is just like, it's like, um, it's like a really boring boxing match where like 
people are just kind of feeling out the other person's like footwork for an hour and a half. And then like, it all happens at the end. Right. Well, but, but I mean, to your point, I think the, the appeal of the deadline day for free agency, and this is something that's been, been talked about. I don't know if this is actually being discussed as a real possibility, but I know as we've had the slower off seasons, I know last year was really crazy because we had all those big signings at the winter meetings, but like a date in January where it's like, okay, all the signings got to be done by January 20th or whatever. Right. And in that case, that's how you would have that instead of leaking into spring training. And it's like, okay, guys are reporting and Bryce Harper still doesn't have a team. Like that's a terrible look. And it's just not interesting. It's just not fun anymore, right? We, we Once we get to spring training, we want to just know who's on the teams and we want to get excited for the season. And having free agency leak into that is terrible. So we don't want that, right? Now, so could we could we find the balance? Could we have a deadline like that? Yeah, I, I think that's better. That said, in defense of the of the baseball model that we have, like when you do get that Rosenthal notification, it is, it is so exhilarating, right? When you see that passenger report completely out of nowhere, it could be a Saturday morning, right? You know, the NBA is fun because like you say, you shotgun the four loco mm. and Woj tweets 70 times in 30 minutes and you're like, holy shit, the whole league just changed in 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's really exciting. And then normally- like now, in what? In, now what? Right now, now in this case, the season's already starting in a month, but normally in NBA free agency, then you have two, three months of nothing. Um, and that's that's their version of nothing. In this case, they have it all crammed in and they get a 12-month sport, right? But like, I like that too, because the thrill of it and the shock of it, I think, is higher than when you know as soon as it, the clock hits 6 p.m., Woj is going to start tweeting deals. I like that. Right. And, and, and I think about the Kawhi free agency year where like he just, I think it was last summer, right? Where like, he took like six extra days to figure out what he wanted to do. And people were losing their fucking shit. And like, right. I remember baseball people were like, yo, we waited like eight months for Bryce Harper to like get his stuff together, man. Like right, this is right, right, nothing. Right. This is nothing. Right. But I do get your point of like, you could be at the eye doctor when Manny Machado signs. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. you could be, you know, at Thanksgiving when Jesus Montero gets traded. Whereas, like for the NBA, like you sit down at your computer the night like, free agency opens, yep. and you're like, "Let's go." Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of merit to both of those things, mm-hmm. but um, I I do generally think like the very slow onboarding of the baseball offseason, like it makes sense because of how the rosters are constructed, mm-hmm. but it's just like right now it is watching paint dry. Yeah, no, it, it is nothing. If you're not if you're not excited about uh, you know, protections from the rule five or the the non tenders coming up next week, not that you should be excited about that. But if you're not following rosters that closely, it's really hard to get uh, excited about any of it. So I hear it. I, I I listen, we're 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 so used to this being the case. Um it's just as we are for some reason having NBA free agency in November. Uh, everyone's like, Oh, doesn't that look fun? But it's okay. It's we're gonna be all right. We're look, gonna be all right. I, I've kind of enjoyed this lull to be honest with you, like we've been watching a lot of the Dominican winter league and we'll talk about that later as well. Um, just, you know, getting to watch some TV, read some books, like every, every once in a while in the baseball calendar, it's, it's, it's okay to not think about where JT real Muto is going to end up. I think that's okay. Right. right. We'll, we'll, we'll have time for that. We'll have time for that. Uh, Bobby, uh, I wanted to, to, to bring you in here because I know you also, uh, have the, the opportunity to, to produce an NBA podcast here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And well, not uh, anymore. Not, not anymore. anymore. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. A past life, many moons ago. <laughs> many moons ago. Uh, you were you were producing for for our good friends Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. And obviously baseball they, BBQ basketball expert 
There you go. Bobby right. Wagner. So, so I mean, Bobby, which do you prefer? I mean, I I, I know bas- baseball is your number one, but as someone who who actually has to think and talk about basketball too, what do you and, think is better? Jordan, important to remember that Bobby, as an athlete, better at basketball than baseball. Great point. Great point. True. Great point. True. Cool. Though maybe I made the wrong choice since I you know topped out at six feet. Maybe not the right choice, Jake. Uh, though it wouldn't have been the right choice for either at six feet tall. Um, I think that baseball <laughs> needs more tampering. Like, take a little page out of the basketball book. The players, they're hanging out. You know, they're talking about how they want to team up together. And then you get a little bit more of a flurry at the beginning. You're never going to get the same amount of flurry because I don't think that MLB GMs, well, not GMs, owners, really want the good players that badly. So they're not not really willing to trade the house for people that they're going to pay exorbitant amounts of money with no salary cap. Um you know, I was thinking about this because I knew you guys were going to throw it to me, and I was thinking about the Anthony Davis trade, which happened on a Saturday afternoon, and like the whole ringer got flipped upside down. I'm just trying to think of the baseball equivalent of that, and I'm just going to turn it to you guys because I, I don't know that there is one, like, like a Mike, like if Mike Trout got traded, maybe to a contender, but I don't think that there are well, contenders right. that could put together a package for Mike Trout that would leave them as contenders. It's I mean, okay, so here's the thing: to right? make like, it as interesting, though, because there's still a chance that the team is bad. Like with Anthony Each Davis going to team up with less. LeBron. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There was no chance the team was going to be bad unless that they completely torpedoed and were embarrassing. Like the Dodgers could have been slightly disappointing this year and we would have found reasons yeah. why they were that. I would say that, first of all, trades are always sexier and more interesting than free agent signings, no matter how much money it is. Um, and that's true in both sports, I would say. And I think because of that, like the trades, since there's two teams involved and there's multiple, there's, there's a star and then there's prospects, young players, whatever, draft picks, like that's always going to be more exciting. And so in terms of comparisons, like sure, we've had some insane contracts, Harper, Machado, you know, even the going back to pools with the Angels, those were huge news. The closest thing I can think of recently that felt like that was Chris Sale trade to the Red Sox. And that was yeah. at the winter meetings and that being traded for like Moncada, who was a gigantic deal and Kopech, who was a gigantic deal. Like, obviously this is all relative and they're not Anthony Davis, but like that was the closest thing that I can remember feeling like. No, a, I think Chris Sale is a, as famous as Anthony Davis. What do you think? Kind of, kind of a similar stature. But, but this is the thing, like th- that's the thing that, that felt closest to like, uh, Wait. like a, like a league shifting <laughs> move. Anthony, they're very different though. Anthony Davis, the only guy with sleeves, whereas Chris Sale will do anything to take them off. <laughs> well said, well said, well said. So that's the only one that really Chris comes Sale would have thrived on the 2016 Cavs where LeBron ripped his sleeves off in the finals. Chris Sale, where were you, my uh, friend? Because No, right. I, I think at the end of the day, it's all just like each move moves the, in baseball moves the needle less. And so yeah, like less, each yeah. player is a smaller chunk of the pie generally because there's 25 guys on the team and there's nine guys in the field, et cetera, et cetera. And so each move has less of a, like a less of a punch to it. I I would say Jordan, the, um, like if you're talking about like earth shattering sport altering deals, like the Mookie deal, like we knew it was happening for months in advance, but like it was one of the three biggest markets in the sport giving up for three years. And the, best team in the world getting the second best player you know yeah Yeah. no that's 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 totally true i think more from the from the standpoint of 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 surprising when it happened but i do think the offseason too right we've had some crazy deadline deals right the darvish trade was it was a pretty crazy thing um at the deadline you know what felt like the most tampering 
cesspool. You know know what felt like tampering, but wasn't was what's something that feels like tampering, but isn't now was Stanton to the Yankees. Like when Stanton went to the Yankees, it was like, what grounds do you have to say that that wasn't tampering? Like, how are you absolving all parties in this situation, Jake? What information do you have that the public doesn't have? I think that was probably some tampering. Also, that is tampering. That is, but that was a trade, though. Crazy, so you can't tamper with a trade. Everybody's no, but, no, available but, but to since trade. he had the no trade, since he had the no trade, Bobby, like that was the closest thing we had to NBA, where he was like, "I only want to go to the Yankees." Remember the He's Cardinals? Like, I'm not going to St. Louis. The Cardinals yeah, were like, like, "We completed a deal," and Stanton was like, "No." I think the Giants also, right? And he was yeah. like, "No, I'm going to the Yankees." So like, that was the closest thing we've had. Alt history where Stanton goes to the Giants and hits 53 home runs a year, and just it doesn't matter because they still win 71 games. Yeah. Mike Yastrzemski still in the Orioles. All right, Jordan, that's enough. Uh, Trade Wait, chat. can I say one it's more like, thing about NBA yeah, versus yeah, yeah. MLB? It seems like it's, NBA yeah. fans have way more of an appetite for like dumb jersey switch posts with like the cold face emoji and the steam coming out of the nose that MLB fans do. Like you can get away with tweeting such boring shit in the NBA and people are like, yo, uh, mellow back to the Blazers, cold face, head exploding Dude. emoji. And I'm just like, okay, guys, like he's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's so ridiculous. They're like, oh my God, like Seth Curry changed teams. Like, yeah, Drew Smiley signed with the Braves. Like, it's whatever. Let's we're, go. We're Drew it's Smiley fine. to the Braves. <laughs> it's fine. We're uh, all going to be okay. Um, all right. Uh, enough NBA chat. Uh, you can get enough of that here uh, at The Ringer. Uh, Jake Mintz, we are yeah. going to take a quick moment and then we're going to come mm-hmm. back with some actual news, which what a surprise involves the New York Metropolitans. Back in a sec with our great friend, Disha Dosa. All right, we are now very excited to welcome back our resident Mets correspondent unofficially, Mets beat reporter for the New York Daily News, Disha Thosar. Disha, welcome back to Baseball Barbecue. Great to be back. Being the Mets reporter for the Daily News is funny because there are many teams where there is not Daily News uh, about them. However, the Mets, certainly it feels like there is Daily News. It has been quite a couple months for the Mets. Let's start off with Robinson Cano who was popped for um, a drug with lots of O's and L's in it and will miss the entirety of the 160, all 162 games or less next year. Uh, Disha, my question for you is what the fuck? (laughs) That's a good starting point. Um, It is. It's it's super, I mean, there's two angles to look at it, right? I was actually surprised that Mets fans were so laid back and not freaking out about it collectively as you know, the media and the writer side did, um, just because it was his second time. I mean, how, why? Like it just, he's wasting away millions of dollars, 24 million to be exact on top of the, you know, ones he already wasted. Um, but it works out for the Mets. So it kind of, if you look at it from that side, it's like a huge relief because now you can figure out second base easier. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what he was thinking. And I wish he would tell us. I'm like anxiously waiting for a statement from him. That's a good point. As we record this uh, here on Monday afternoon, uh, we have not re- heard anything from him. We got the the brief statement uh, from Sandy Alderson, but like haven't really heard anything. So that's a good point. But I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit because I do recognize that, yes, they are suddenly getting $24 million of relief that they did not expect to have. And yes, I, I acknowledge that that's good. 
I, I feel a little ridiculous that people are saying this is great for the Mets. Like they still have two more years of $50 million to pay him. And he was a good hitter this year. I mean, maybe he was cheating and that was helping him, but like, it's not like he was a terrible th- part of their team. So does it feel a little aggressive to say it's a good thing for them? I think it's, it's honestly not only because we don't know how Steve Cohen is going to operate after this season, right? So even if they decide to eat up his extra contract money, which would be a lot to eat up for anyone, even Cohen, um, it would be crazy. Um, but there are creative ways to just get around. And even, you know, he's at Cohen is at the point where he doesn't actually have to pay, like play him at the plate. And if the DH withstands the code, the CBA, then maybe he'll just take a couple of bats as a DH, you know? So I think like for the immediate future, yes, it's definitely a great thing, but I agree with you that it's definitely tricky going forward. Um, but that's kind of a thing where like, you know, in this sphere, at least in Mets and Mets Twitter, no one cares about that. Right. It's like, Oh, Cohen said three to five years. want to win the world series. Like that's exactly what we needed. It's like, he's, you know, this is a guy that's just saying all the right things right now. We're all in the honeymoon phase, but this is just like how it's been this off season. All right, let's talk about the honeymoon phase because what a what a world, what a weird world we're living in. You were on the forefront of this kind of what felt like a eight month changeover to Steve Cohen. I, let me start. Off, at what point did it become obvious to you that this was actually like gonna happen? Uh, I think I would go back because I know the season was still happening, so it was probably either late August or early September. Um, cause that was my, I mean, Cohen has been my focus since last December. Like we're coming up on a year where personally I didn't rule him out, um, just because of who he is and how much money he has. Um, so once I, you know, just centered on that and focused on when is this happening? When is it becoming official? It was like in August and September ish, I knew for sure it was going to happen. Um, and all the bullshit that followed was literally like keeping my head on straight and being like, this is bullshit. He's still going to own the team. Like, you know, I get that some sites need clicks, but like, we don't all need to do that, especially on the daily news. Cause like you said, I have enough to write about. There's daily news. <laughs> trust daily news. So what I want to, I want to ask you about that though, because I mean, I, I obviously we trust your reporting and you have been steadfast in this, but it, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a point at some point this summer where it seemed like it was sort of getting a little iffy if he was going to do it, or was that never actually, or was it never actually in jeopardy? No, definitely this summer. I mean, before you know, July was that that month where it was kind of like this could go either way, just based on who's in the bidding process, who's going to be involved. If Aaron and JLo put together an entire team of bidders. Um, you know, just crawling out from under rocks and like putting whatever money. So like if it was always possible for someone to overtake Cohen, if the right person showed up, which they never did. Um, so it was always like Cohen's here and everyone else was, you know, well below him and it never met in the, in even to surpass him. So, I mean, of course, as we've talked about on here, it's not just that he's, you know, the richest owner of baseball. He's one of the hundred richest people in the world. And he was going to make it happen. Okay, so he says all the right things. The press conference is a, is, a, is a total hit. Mets fans are losing their minds. Sandy Alderson looks happier than he's ever been in his life. And then, over the last couple of weeks since the press conference, Steve Cohen seems to have taken his time just responding to random <laughs> Mets fans on Twitter. <laughs> and, and the reason I want to bring this up is because so much of what the Wilpon experience was was them sort of in hiding and then occasionally releasing like a bumbling statement that was very embarrassing and spelled and, their GM name wrong. Sp- like like you you would not hear from them directly. There was no transparency, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just mistake, mistake, mistake. 
this is the opposite of that. So what is your reaction to Steve Cohen's seemingly willingness to just engage with Mets fans? And was this something you anticipated based on what you knew about him before he bought the team? Absolutely not. I don't think anyone could have anticipated like one of the 30 MLB owners going online and like being online. Like, you know, half of it is like dad jokes. The other half is like breaking news. Um, so as soon as I like found out and made sure that this is really him, um, I turned those alerts on the fastest, like ever, but it's annoying actually. Cause you don't get the alerts for his like replies, which is what he does the most along with his, you know, crazy punctuation marks. Um, but it's just, it's been insane on so many levels. And I think besides, you know, him interacting with fans, which I think is great. I forget who pointed this out. I think it might've been Nick Francona, but, um, it, it the, just no other MLB owner interacts at all with fans. So the bar is very low. He can do pretty much anything on Twitter, um, good, bad, negative, whatever. It would still be well above and beyond what anyone else is doing in this industry. And then he's just saying all the right things on top of that. Um, so he's interacting with fans, which is, you know, fun, cute to watch. Um, we'll see if it continues, you know, depending on where the Mets go. Um, but the second craziest part of it, at least from a reporter's perspective, is him, you know, debunking some of these stories online, breaking news. Like I'll be on SNY on Wednesday. It's like, Oh, okay. Now let me check. Like, who do I check with? That's him saying it. It's like, you know, it just, it, it adds a, a crazy element for sure. Right. But uh, like you said though, like it is generally, especially in this honeymoon phase received yeah. rather positively, even the worst dad jokes and the most like random responses are hilarious and are like, wow, look at this real person responding to me on Twitter. But Jordan, there is like a level of like milkshake duck fear here, right? Where it's like, is it really a good idea for Steve Cohen to be tweeting this often? Like, are we really good? Is he going to bat a thousand here? Do you have any kind of skepticism about this mode of communication, Disha? I do. And I think I always will just because I am a skeptical person by nature. Um, and part of that is, you know, will he continue talking to fans when shit gets bad? And he already said, you know, I can take the heat. The heat. Um, I think that's part of that is true. But does he know what that heat is like when you're in the hot seat? It's hard to know once you're in it. Um, and it's also, you know, like all of it is up to him. Like he's debunking stories and not confirming them. Um, he shouldn't really have to, but he doesn't need to debunk them either unless, you know, he's trying to be funny, get with the fans, like almost be, maybe a bully to some of these you know, there are so many like trash reporters out there. So like, I don't blame him. Like, how can you not be annoyed um, with some of the false reports? But it's just, he's picking a lane and it's going to be definitely interesting to see if he stays in it or just moves out of the realm and goes quiet, you know, for however many weeks. I think you make a great point, which is like, is this good or bad? Whatever those words mean. I don't know. And I don't really know if I care as a non-Mets fan. But what it certainly is, is a new character within the greater baseball universe that is fascinating and absolutely different. No, for sure. I think it's refreshing for anyone. And it's going to be interesting, at least for me, to see if any other owners chime in. It doesn't even have to be an owner. Like, I I remember two years ago when Brody was on Twitter and it's like, you know, match GM. And I was like, what? Like, what other GMs are just online like this? And like, if anyone comes on, like if they take this as a sign of like, oh, I can get some popularity in any other um, club, then I think it would be interesting if it has that ripple effect. So I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because like I, so, okay, so I'm a Mariners fan and Jerry DePoto is one of the most transparent GMs 
you're gonna you're ever gonna find. He talks all the time. He has his own podcast where he's sharing more stuff about the org than most GMs ever will. And I'm thankful for that. But there is this is a times a hundred, right? Because this is literally the owner who is tasked with changing the direction of the of the franchise. And he's in charge, right? So like he's not reporting to anybody. So like he's he's literally you can't following, get in trouble. He's following his own rules. I'm sure there are some of the other owners that are like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he tweeting? What is Twitter? I mean, how many freaking <laughs> owners even know what the hell this is, right? Um, so I like Jake said, I'm just fascinated to see how long he keeps this up if he if he wants to at all. Um, a lot of it, I think, is the unknown with it because it's it's been, it's still largely the unknown. It's the honeymoon phase. So you can say they're going to do all these crazy moves and like they've implied that money isn't a factor. They also want to build a sustainable future. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's what we all want to hear. But like, what are you actually going to do? And this is what he's doing. Like, like th- this is actually the most active the Mets have been um, because ever since the it became official, they've been, relatively slow and, you know, getting any front office executives, making any actual moves. Um, so it's just, it's, it will be interesting to see if like, this is where the attention stays. Uh, last question. Will the Mets be good next year? <laughs> I, I know, I know a lot will change between now and a year from now. Uh, but looking from the bird's eye view where, where you sit, like, is this, is the hope warranted? I guess is my question. Yeah. I think the hope, I think even, you know, Mets fans are also pretty practical and realistic when it comes to it too. And from who I've spoken to, no one expects them to win the world series in 2021. Um, and that three to five year range is, is pretty realistic based on the holes that they need to fill that will be, you know, impossible to get an elite player in every single hole. Um, so I think they'll do a good job of, um, and they, they should because it's a direct depressed market. So if he wants to take advantage um, any year, this is the winter to do it. Um, but it's still, how far can you go with that? And I don't think it's, he's made it clear. He's not like Brody in the sense that it's like, we're going to win now. Um, they, they'll do well. I think, you know, be Mets fans would be impressed if they're in the playoffs and they've been, they seem like they're close every, every year over the past few years, but they're not, you know, they're finishing in last week. So I think it'll be an improvement. They, they may be good, but they're not going to the world series in 2021. Yo, remember when Brody was like, come and get us. <laughs> then they went and got him. <laughs> they went and got him. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Cohen went and got the Mets. Six months later. It's like, yeah, they, they got us. Uh, <laughs> um, Disha, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. As always, we look forward to the next ridiculous Mets development, whatever that may be. Um, and enjoy reporting on the daily news for the daily news. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Baseball Barbecue. Always. Thanks for having me. All right, that was uh, a lot of Mets chat. This is essentially a Mets podcast, which we should maybe sit down and think a lot harder about. But if you're interested in baseball that's actually going on right now, baseball does not stop when MLB stops. It continues and it never ends. This next guest is going to be right up your alley. And we're back here on Baseball Barbecue with uh, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. He is the general manager of Leonis del Escogido in the Dominican Republic. He also works for the Tampa Bay Rays, but that's less important. It is 
Jose Gomez. Jose, how are you? Hey, man. What's up? I'm happy to be in your top 100 of favorite people in the world. I like that. Makes me feel happy. Makes me feel important. <laughs> Mr. Gomez, it is a pleasure to have you uh, here on our podcast. Um, we were both fortunate enough uh, to meet you last year. Uh, Jake spent uh, several months down uh, in the DR covering the Winter League and experiencing that. I got to go visit him uh, for a week as well. And uh, Mr. Gomez here is is one of the more important people in the league. So I guess, first of all, you want to tell us uh, who who you work for and what is your responsibility for uh, Leonis Telescojito? Okay, so I'm the general manager of the club. I run baseball operations, et cetera. The et cetera part is the more, more interesting part. So I got to do with logistics and travel and player player acquisition, players signing, player contracts, player negotiation, staff selection, and stuff that normally you need 20 to 30 people to do in the States. We do it with a five-man you know, baseball operations crew. We have the bigger baseball operations crew of the league, but it's not as big as a U.S.-based baseball operations crew, so we all do a lot. But I mainly, you know, I'm the head of the of the baseball operations department, and I, I have the last decision on player personnel and player development and player acquisition matters. What is the biggest difference between your job as a winter ball GM and, say, like Eric Neander's job or, you know, the GM of an MLB team? First is the pay grade, of course, the money they make versus the money <laughs> I make. And second is um, the planning that you have to do here uh, is more reactive. You you try to plan, but you can't really plan. So you, you got to react a lot. So here I got to know a uh, lot of players that MLB teams will never be aware of. Um, I have to, you know, navigate through not knowing which team I'm going to have next week. Uh, so it's more of a, it's more of a moving target. Uh, if that makes sense, it, what you have to deal with here in the, in the Dominican is also a bigger roster, bigger active roster, and also a way smaller, uh, comp- competitive window. Like you got to win every game, every year, or you are, you know, pretty much fucked up. Sorry. I shouldn't say that, but or else it's or no, you get to or else it, or else we're talking about a former Escojito GM housing. Uh, but it is it is you know uh, uh, weird because you, you can't in in the, especially in this part of baseball history, when everybody fan bases and everybody are more weary about the long run and you know preparing to win in three years and the process and accumulating prospects and everything like that. Here in the Dominican is the the other way around. Like you got to win, 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 and then you got to win while navigating through a lot of player movement and a lot of you know situations that happen around the league. So you mentioned how it's very reactive, and I remember last year we heard all kinds of crazy stories about the lengths you were going to to bring in players. And I know that this year it's different because obviously with the pandemic it's harder to have guys shuffling in and out of the country. But can you just give an example in in a normal season, how, like on what turnaround are we talking in terms of finding a pitcher? You know, finding a reliever for the night. Like, can you just give an example of of how frantic it really is? Because just to give people a sense yeah. of what we're really talking about. I'll give about. you two things. Last year, we used 85 players in the regular season. That's 
more than in 50 games. In 50 games. So we went through 25 import players in 50 games. And also one year, the last year we won the championship. During the playoffs, we had seven players that debuted the same day they arrived to the country in different moments, including three starting pitchers during the playoffs. So, so you, you, land, you land at the airport in the morning, you take a car an hour and a half to the stadium, and you yep. put on your uniform and you pitch. And you pitch. And you introduce the starting pitcher of the day to the manager right as he's wearing his <laughs> uniform. Like he never the seen the guy in the playoffs. So, okay, you know, perfect. it's, it's, it's yes. like, I, I think, I think that says it all. It really does. It really does. My favorite last year was uh, Marco Carrillo, who uh, Escojito needed a starter for a, literally like a must win game, like losing the season's over. And you flew in a guy the next day and he threw a complete game to hitter. Yeah. Right. And he's done it. And he's done it more than once. Like he's the kind of guy that I like when he's eliminated in Mexico, no matter if I need it or not, like I just put him in a plane and get him down here. Like he's the kind of guy that will always do good in the league because he throws strikes and you know, it's hard to hit homers. It's a bad ball. It's humidity. It's, you know, not a lot of training time for players. So if you're a pitcher and you throw strikes, you're going to survive in the league, no matter if your stuff is below average. So Carrillo is the perfect sample of the guy that you put him on a plane, you get him down here, he knows what he has to do. He goes out there, he throws strikes. He threw a complete game, shut out that day. So <laughs> Okay, so so obviously, first of all, if you're listening to this, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? How is this even possible? What league are we talking about? Again, we've mentioned it. We wrote a whole season preview that you can go check out and understand the whole league structure. We're not going to go through that now. But I also want to hear from you. Now, no, it's your job, right? And your 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 job is to win Fresco Hito. And that is but you also obviously you love baseball, you love the sport. We wanted to try to get a sense for like why what makes Lidom special in terms of the baseball on the field and the atmosphere. I know it's different this year right now with no fans, but can you give uh, people a taste, someone who's lived it and has been there for so many years and has experienced it inside and out? What is it that makes Lee Dome so different and so special? Yeah, if you, if you can imagine that you're playing a, an MLB season and you have 30 teams and the best team and the worst team are going to be separated by five games, like in, 100, in 162 games. Like that competitiveness, you don't get it anywhere else. Like we have six champions in six years. I, everybody has been out of the playoffs and into the finals and won a championship and lost the final in the last six seasons. So the league has reached an apex of competitivity that is really hard to find. It's a 16 league where everybody has a chance to win. It's also way more passionate. Like in the States, you get more showboating. You get more, you know, pumping your, 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 your fist in the, in the chest. You get this, you know, you get a lot of signs. You get you know, shouting between teams. I guess more, you know, passionate uh, and less rules. Even Americans, when they get here, they transform, just get absorbed by the culture. And then um, the fact that you don't play a series and you play a different team every day also is harder for teams to get used to other teams. So you play a team today and next time you play them might be in a week on a one game where they might have a whole different roster or a, a picture you haven't seen. So it's also a very 
Bobby-oriented league. Now I'm getting a little bit more technical. Mm. So, pe- so people think that I know my stuff, you know. So uh, it's very Bobby-oriented. So it's uh, very dependent on balls in play because there's not a lot of homers and there's not a lot of strikeouts. So it's the opposite of what's happening in the States. Like you get a lot of ground balls. You get a lot of errors. You get a lot of runs by, you know, stealing bases. You get a lot of bunting. You get, you, you know, because it's hard to hit a homer. You got to find a way to score runs. So it's, it's a different type of baseball, but it's more, it's, it's more competitive for me than it is in the States right now. There's a lot more happening on a game because there are more balls in play. And it's, you know, a game that anybody can win. When you went to your first MLB game, were you like, these fans are boring as hell? <laughs> nah, it's just different. Like, I, I, I enjoy the, the way that Americans look at baseball because they are not, you know, shouting at players in the fifth inning or uh, of a first game of the season. Like, like they are not demanding a, a GM fires an import after three at bats. Like I understand that baseball is a slow game of process and repetition and law and big samples. And I understand that and I love that from the American fan, but here you don't get that. It's not a big sample. It's not a process. It's not it's, you gotta win tonight and if you don't then you you suck pretty much. So you know, it's it's different atmospheres, and I appreciate them both because there's some beauty on the way the American people, you know, look at baseball, respecting the process, respecting the game, you know, allowing it to happen, but not being in the edge of their seats from game one of the first inning until the last game of the season. It's frantic here, and it gets to your nerves. And I, I wouldn't put up with a 162-game winner bowl season because I'll be dead by the half of the season. He would be but, dead. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's different. So my, my last question for you, again, we could talk about this all day long, but uh, my last question for you in terms of this specific season, um, I know, obviously, unfortunately, as we've seen with MLB, uh, have already had some, some COVID issues in the early going, but in terms of what the season has looked like so far and in terms of the, the player pool, would you say that because there was no minor league season. There are a lot of major leaguers that didn't get as much time. Would you say that the talent in this year's Dome season is maybe a little bit higher than it normally is? Is that safe to say for anyone who's going to get in and, yeah. and, and watch this year? What, 100%. Like the, the, the amount of talent that we have this season, each team is, is way higher than it was last year or two years ago. Is, is the prospects, more prospects, more open to play the full year, more former big leaguers, more current big leaguers. It's just more talent across the board. Hopefully, we can get our stuff straight and you know be able to finish it out, which is what we're trying to do because it's it's hard. It's, it's even leagues with way more money and way more resources than us hit a wall at some point. So that's what we are trying to, you know, not you know have it blown up and and be able to pick up the pieces and. And finish it up. Thanks God, we haven't had pretty much any cases. Uh, we had one case on intake, one player, and he didn't even made it inside the team. So we, we, yeah, we've we've been so far. We've been nice, but you know, we have first basemen from team with teams we have played that are positive, and that's probably the spot where you spend more time and 
You know, it's not like in the U.S. where guys don't say hi to each other when they get to first base. These guys, they talk. That's what we do. Dominicans, we talk. So, uh, so we are all, we are on edge. Even though we 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 haven't had any cases, we have pretty tight protocols. But like you never know. So I hope we can finish this up and trading it up so we can have a champion and and, and end the season. Uh, Jose, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you are listening and you're like, how can I watch Dominican baseball online? DRSports.tv. There's a whole streaming package. It's all I do now because there's nothing else to watch. <laughs> Jose, thank you for joining us. Uh, be well, stay safe, and uh, go Leonis. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You, you, you are named the ambassadors, official ambassadors of the Lidom experience to the american audience no pressure we'll take I'm it happy, Thank you, i'm Jose. happy i'm happy to be with you guys always anytime all right and now we are back here home stretch baseball barbecue jordan we talked about it earlier it is the most boring week of the baseball season uh, and we want to really commemorate that. We want to lean into it. We understand that our job in this baseball landscape, our role, our lane is usually to be the guys with unrelenting energy who try and make everything seem interesting. And I think we do a pretty good, ge- pretty good job of that most of the time. However, we do think there are boring things in baseball. We love the sport, but there's a, certainly some boring shit in it. And so we are going to draft boring baseball things. We're each going to take three. Now, I have to say before we begin that this shtick is inspired by our own producer, Bobby Wagner, who for years uh, has been um, talking about the most boring play in baseball. And Bobby, take it away. This is a this is a bit that even predates tipping pitches, but it's been a it's been a multiple. It's appeared multiple times on tipping pitches. Um, It's it's a ground ball to Joe Panic, just a week, a rollover, maybe Jose Peraza just off the end of the bat, not solid contact at all. And Joe Panic charges slowly. Joe Panic comes in. He fields it clean. Easy flip to first base. Flip, okay, we got flips two. Flips it over we to Raddy Telez, and that'll be two. Nothing is exciting about that play at all. Nothing is exciting about Joe Panic. Nothing is exciting about Jose Peraza hitting one off the end of the bat. The announcer has no cause to get excited at all. It's just a play. It's a perfect PH7 boring baseball so, play. Bobby, when you when you first told us about this, I, I love this idea. And when I was thinking about this in preparation of this here little mini draft, I I struggled to come up with a specific play that was better than that. So I kind of went in the other direction in terms of coming up with boring things about baseball. We kept this very vague. This I'm very curious to see where you go with this, Jake Mintz. Um, we just but, literally, uh, like the prompt that we made for ourselves, everyone, yeah. is boring baseball things. That's okay. it. That's all okay. it is. Okay. Do you want to go first? And Panic turns back to the right fielder. He's got two fingers up. Dude, uh, two no down. broadcaster Panic. would ever Very reliable. commentate that deep into the play. Like they would, they would right. go back to the story they were telling. Right, exactly. They're they're talking about the hitter who's on deck already. Yeah, Jake. When we were coming up with this idea, or when we were talking about doing this idea today, um, Jake was saying that it's the type of play that a broadcaster would just not even bother mentioning and would just continue to tell his story. Um, that said, uh, maybe we will come up with some other plays. But Jake, let's go ahead and, and start us off. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first? We're, we're each going to pick three. Who, I have no idea where you're going to go with who this. Who had a worse 2020, me or you, so we can do reverse draft order? 
Oh man! Well, you have to. You uh, earned yourself a trip to Chicago, which is worse than anything that that's is happened true. to me. <laughs> that so, is true. To Tony Larusa happening to you. Uh, otherwise, we've had a fairly similar experience. So I'm going right. to go with that. Okay. Uh, then which I will means go. I guess you will you will pick first. So All right. Go ahead and, and start us off. I'm going to take the third week of spring training. Uh, it is not the first week, which is interesting because games are back, or the second week, uh, which is still interesting because some pitchers haven't thrown yet. But the third week of spring training is when the rosters are still massive and there's tons of guys wearing numbers in the 80s. And yet some of the good players haven't even showed up yet and you're not close enough to the start of the season for it to really matter. In fact, I would say this, the most boring day of spring training could be like right when it got shut down in 2020. So I will take the third week of spring training. That is a, a fantastic selection. On my board was the spring training innings between the starters playing and when the prospects come uh, in. The Nate Orff so, innings. Exactly, the Nate Orff innings. So okay, again, they don't want to throw out the prospects uh, in there in the fifth, but the starters want to get the fuck out of there. So they're gone, and now you have all the non-roster invites coming in. Those at-bats, we don't give a shit. Those innings are my spring training picks. So it that's is a good important one, to great. note that in those innings, those innings birthed David Fletcher. That True. is very that's important. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Uh, with my first pick, I'm going to pick uh, a specific uh, game situation. Okay. Right? And the game situation that I'm going to pick is the bottom of the ninth for a home team after a position player has pitched, which is to say that they have already given up. They have had the position player come in and pitch the top of the ninth because they're down by 12. And now they're just, <laughs> they're giving up. They've, they've already conceded that they lost the game and yet they still have to go bad again. And everyone is going up there and trying to end the game. These are innings where the hitters who are presumably trying to, of course they all want their stats, but the game has already been signaled that it's over and yet they are still playing. Uh, and so that is what I'm going to go with. The regular inning played after the position Amazing. player uh, that is pitched. Um, so Great pick. Great pick. Okay. All right. Let's go to you for number two. All right. I will take... Now, you might think this is biased for reasons that will become apparent, but I'm going to take guaranteed rate field <laughs> with my pick. Wow. Now, amazing selection. You, you might be like, oh, Jake, you're only picking that because you have to bike there. Um, and to that, I would say, yeah. But on the th list of 30 stadiums, it is the most cookie cutter. It is not horrible, right? It's mm -hmm. not like trash yes, key. or this like run down or anything. It's just forgettable. It's boring. Have I been there? No, but I watch it on TV and I know enough that of the ballparks I've never been to, it is the one I care the least about going mm -hmm. and checking out. So well said, well said. That is my pick. Great pick. Uh, and that transitions nicely into into my next pick because I think a key to picking boring things in baseball it's it's not about something that is that is too good. If you're too good, you can't be that boring, right? Now, if but if you're too bad, you also can't be that boring because if you're so bad or like you're terrible to watch, it's like well, it's not. It's, it's I don't. I'm not enjoying it, but it's not boring because I'm getting a visceral reaction. Right. That is why with my second selection, I'm going to take Kyle Gibson. Now, oh. Kyle <laughs> Oh, now this wow. is nothing. This, this is, is nothing. Harsh. This is nothing personal. He seems like I, a good guy. By all accounts, a, a very great dude. 
uh, well liked in the game. But as far as baseball pitchers who represent everything, I don't really care to be watching in the year 2020. Oh Kyle, my, Kyle God, Gibson, just an utter drive-by by Jordan here. Kyle Gibson, no, listen, I, I wanted to come up with a player that that gave me the least emotions. And Kyle Gibson was the answer. This is a guy who, by the way, has started more games in the last six years than old, than everybody except six other pitchers. This guy, he has not been bad. He has not been good. He has just been, he doesn't throw that hard, but he doesn't throw that soft, right? If we're talking about a guy that's throwing 85 miles an hour, at least it's like, oh, wow, okay, how's he getting by? He's throwing 92. It's just, it's just, he's just existing on the baseball field. So God bless him. I wish him the best. I hope he makes all the money in the world. But Kyle Gibson is my pick. Wow. I, I Kyle had, Gibson, come on baseball barbecue. Come on baseball barbecue. Defend yourself. Yes. Tell me why you're, you're not the, the, the most boring person. Uh, so there you go. Did you have any specific players in mind? No. No, I, I did not feel like wandering down that tumultuous Again, lane. I, I mean this so specifically as a baseball player. I, it's not the not saying I wouldn't want him on my team. Like right. he doesn't have value. He again seems like an awesome guy. I'm saying we're talking baseball okay. things. The baseball player, I am. I'm sticking to my guns. Sorry, Kyle. Like I'll I'll say it to your face. There you go. Kyle Gibson Amazing. Is my, is my second pick. Um, w- with my last pick, I, I do want to point out that there are a series of things in baseball that I don't like, but that doesn't mean that they're boring, different. right? Exactly. And like I this, I thought about in-game manager interviews, which are boring, but they're too short to really be boring. Almost nowadays, right? So I, I just want to say that was on my I list. I also dislike them too much to call them boring. Yes. I feel too strongly about them. Now, Jordan, something that was not short, something that took a long time, and something that I think is the easy number one overall pick of this draft, but I waited till the end so I could reveal it as the third option. I am taking the 2011 to 2018 San Diego Padres. And oh, I had this on. This is a, this was on my list. I wasn't going to pick them, but okay. Wait, so 11 to 18. 11 to 18. Okay, wow. That wow. was my window. There's a couple good Adrian Gonzalez moments in there. Brad Hand made two all-star games. Everett Cabrera made an all-star game in there. But for years, for that span... The Padres were the 30th team in your mind if you tried to name all 30 teams. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado have catapulted that franchise into not only relevancy, but like, whoo, hotness. But dude, that was a that was an era. So I'm I'm totally with you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit your pick a slight bit. First of all, Adrian Gonzalez's last year in San Diego was 2010, so, which is why what I was gonna say you. was 2011 to 2000. 13. Basically, between Adrian Gonzalez getting traded and AJ Preller getting hired, that is the peak. That is where this team might as well have not existed. This is the Chase Headley years. Chase Headley would be a great pick for the, mm-hmm. the hitter version of Kyle Gibson. He's probably a little bit too good, at least at his best. Um, but yes, great selection. Had them on my board. And the thing about this team is that in retrospect, they are fascinating. But in, right, like we look back now knowing what the Padres have become. And we're like, how did that happen? Right. But now, but sorry, but in the moment. And there is no bad team that exists now. Not even the Royals who we dunked on last week or two weeks ago, not even the Tigers. There's no bad team now that, that elicits the same level of, I don't give a shit and don't want to watch than those Padres teams. Yeah. Like it's, there's still no one close, even the worst to them. So all right, who's your last picture? That's a great pick. Okay. My last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. 
this is not this is not a specific thing. This is it. This is the most niche transaction that I could imagine. I was thinking about what piece of news do I give the least shits about? Okay. And we've already had an example of it this year. All right. Ready? This is getting so specific. You're going to be like, you fucking loser. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's so many baseball transactions that I know the average fan doesn't care about. That we that care not, about. That, that we you care, about, care about. That I care about. Whatever. It's rule five protection, whether it's non-tenders, whether it's, you know, waiver claims, whatever. But I decided that the, the number one transaction I don't care about is when a team trades makes a trade during a season for PTBNL or cash and they go out of their way a few months later to tell you that they decided to take the cash and not the PTBNL. Okay? This shit happened two weeks ago with the Rays. They announced we have decided to acquire cash instead of a player to be named later in the Jose Martinez deal. And I said, I don't give a fuck. Why are you telling me this? Why is this in a news release? Why are you tweeting this? This is not news. I don't care that you got an extra $10,000 for no goddamn reason. I hate it. I don't want people to report it. It means nothing to me. It is not a transaction. And wow. that is my number one pick. You've you sound me passionate. No that doesn't sound bored. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to make a comparison here, Jordan. I know that yeah. you do not watch Love Island, which is mm -hmm. a reality show. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of every season of Love Island, mm -hmm. or at least season three, the most recent one I watched, at the end, they offer the couple who won a chance to either take like $50,000 or remain in the couple. And like everyone chooses to like remain in the couple, right? And it's just like a like a foregone conclusion that like they're gonna right. not take the cash. And that's right. the same thing with Tampa Bay taking the money over the PTBNL. Right. Now the other version of that too, in terms of just like obvious transactions that are not interesting, is like super mega free agent rejecting the qualifying offer. Not interesting. Mm. Oh, wow. Bryce Harper rejected the qualifying yeah. offer. Oh, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I know it's or sort of team, Or team extended it to Bryce. Like, the oh, Nats. You're right. you're right. That is, you're right. That is the answer. It's team extends qualifying offer to obvious $100 million free agent. <laughs> that is definitely the better answer. All right. Um, Bobby, so did anything we missed? Tony Reale? <laughs> so oh, my God. Yes. So many things. Okay. Here's the one that you missed that I was, uh, I was hoping that one of you would choose beat reporter tweeting that the inning is over. Oh, like tweeting the pick. next inning I, I is coming about up this. next. I thought about beat reporter play by play or like beat reporter spring training play by play. That's a great pick. It's a great pick, Bobby. It's so unnecessary. What do we? And so many of these people know better. You know what I mean? Like they know that it's an algorithm. They know that it's right. not in chronological order anymore. Disha would never. Still Disha like, would never. It's zero zero as we enter the third. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Great point. No punchline. Uh, any any other any other ones, Bobby? Oh, I mean, there's there's, there's so, so many, yeah. but it, it, we could go on for days. Like, of course, it, it, it is important to point out that to me, boredom is something that you can't really opt out of, right? Like, it is an intractable aspect of it. So, like, you know, I thought about a pitcher asking for a new ball, but Ooh. like, that's irrelevant. That's not boring. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think it's entertaining. I there are certain pitchers, like when Garrett Cole is like waving his wrist back and right. forth, which is like very flexible as he's asking for a new ball. I think that's entertaining. I was thinking I also want to say, yeah, go ahead. An important part of being bored in baseball is that it allows you to be excited when actual shit happens. Mm -hmm. True. Like boredom True. is kind of the name of the game here, guys. Mm -hmm. I hate no, to I break know. it to it's you. It's purposeful and boredom. Right. Yes, right. exactly. It makes the, the real shit uh, more exciting. In terms of like real plays, I was thinking about like non-competitive off-speed pitches in the dirt up by up 0-2. 
it's like okay like i know you're supposed to do this but like i it, this is a waste of my 10 seconds how about non-competitive <laughs> off-speed pitches in the dirt when you're down 2-0 a la steven metz wow that's Steven pretty Mass fucking boring taking a stray like kyle gibson um I don't, kyle still... gibson took more than a stray oh. kyle gibson took like a tommy gun drive <laughs> by going two miles an hour from jordan i cannot get over you it crystallized for me i was like who is it who is it <laughs> patience is a virtue boredom is the virtue of baseball jordan is waking up boredom. in a pandemic and just deciding to ruin kyle gibson's day two other two other last last ones then we can be done two other pieces of baseball news like offseason news that I don't care about or that tells me and I'm like all right okay um minor league suspensions for steroids for guys in the low mm, minors that we've never great, heard of <laughs> great pick that gets like full but that's not releases. boring that's just irrelevant like okay. you don't have to think about fine line fine okay. line okay that okay then uh then the last one which I know is very important and I want players to get their money but in January when we have all the tweets about like so and so filed for this salary Admits countered at this salary difference between three hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, thanks, John Heyman. Appreciate it, buddy. See, to me, I, none of neither of those are boring. That is not bore. Uh, that's not bore. What boredom is? That's fine. Honestly, all of this is making me feel better about my Kyle Gibson pick. So thank you uh, for for uh, for doing no this slander. No slander to another media organization, but a lot of MLB TV interviews of players could have gone on here. That's super like true. off season. What are yeah. you doing in the off season? Uh, you know, what are you, you passing the time? What are you doing in the off season interviews? Have a very high ceiling to be boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree because they're all giving you the same answers. Yeah, no. I mean, listen, you, like you said, Bobby, it is a boring sport, uh, and we we grind it through sucks. it so that we get to I hate it, <laughs> so that we get to enjoy the fun stuff. All right. Well, on that note. I hate it. Oh, you, last thing. You know what I thought about picking was the All-Star game. But I will Ooh, hold that spicy hot. take for another time. Wow. I'm Jake Mintz. That's wow. George Schusterman. Uh, thank you to Jose Gomez for coming on. Thank you to Disha Thosar for coming on. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for being a beautiful, delightful, engaging producerman. Thank you to Jordan Schusterman for being my friend. But not my parent. Yes. Uh <laughs> We'll, we'll talk to you all next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, stay safe, wear a mask, uh, be kind to each other, and we will talk to you next week when hopefully stuff is happening. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>